Welcome to the Seller Growth Podcast, sharing valuable tips and information in the Amazon and e-commerce space. Each week, we deliver the best interviews with some of the top Amazon personalities in the industry to help you grow your business. Here is your host, Rob Stanley. All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the premiere of my back on the air, I guess you could say, the Seller Growth Podcast. And today I've got uh, Ryan Kramer from Ping Pong Payments. Hey, Ryan. What's up, everyone? Hey, Rob. How are you doing? Doing good. So, <laughs> Unlike, funny, Ryan, not like we have, yeah, not like we haven't yeah. been talking or anything like that for every day, exactly like for the last exactly. three months or something like that. <laughs> but man, it, it's been two months since I've posted a podcast. I mean, I've been on podcasts, but it's been a couple months since I hosted. But, you're missing. Uh, you're yeah. missing out there in the interwebs. Like I'm taking over your spot, I guess. I am right. It's it's great. It's great to be back on. It's great to see everybody, and I've been having a great time just catching up with everybody the last couple of months. Hope you had a great 2021, and let's kick this off. So, we're going to be talking about saving money while expanding your Amazon business, and I want to jump right into this and let's uh, let's start talking about this. So, uh, Ryan, when you see people, uh, first of all, let's talk about when people go from selling on Amazon Marketplace US. Being that you guys handle a lot of the international stuff, where do you seem to see that they go next? Is it like Canada, the UK? What marketplace do they usually go next uh, when it comes to the Amazon? Yeah, good question. Uh, naturally, I think a lot of people are starting in, in the US because that's where a lot of the eyeballs are. That's where a lot of the transactions are happening. But believe it or not, I think the last data that we shared was uh, like the third marketplace, which I didn't even know this. And maybe this is something new for people. It's like Japan. Like uh, Amazon Japan is a really budding market and there's a lot of great opportunities over there. I think the natural ones are, uh, Australia. Um, and then obviously Europe is a, is a very easy one to get into if it's not Canada, uh, if you're located in the United States, but probably if you're in the, you're in the U S and you're selling in the U S your natural next step would be for international growth, uh, Canada. And then Mexico is still, I think it's going to boom here shortly. It's still kind of little less traffic wise in terms of international marketplaces, but they typically go either Canada and then kind of expand into Europe. That's, that's where we see a lot of traditional movement, but each person and each seller is their own. It depends on your, you know, your appetite for growth, your, your product selection and where there's opportunity. Yeah. So a lot of people, well, they may or may not know that when you're selling on those other marketplaces, there's other fees involved not just the standard yeah. Amazon fees. Why don't you kind of go over what some of those fees are and, and do they vary marketplace to marketplace in Amazon? Or are they consistent across the board? Kind of explain that for everybody. Yeah, so it's kind of funny uh, as Amazon sellers or marketplace sellers, people are just really used to paying fees, whether it's like have to pay a fee to you know have inventory in FBA warehouse, or I have to pay a fee for logistics and suppliers or 3PLs. A lot of people just don't have their like kind of mindset on where the money's coming and going. But in terms of international growth, it's kind of a, even a more hidden, I say it like a hidden place where people are, you know, where, where the money's kind of going, right? So when you're selling in an international marketplace, just for educational purposes, you are going to be selling and receiving funds in that marketplace. So if you're selling in Europe, you're going to be receiving euros. If you're selling in uh, Britain or the UK, you're going to be receiving pounds. And Amazon, when you set that up naturally, different marketplaces, you load in a bank account or you load in wherever you're used to receiving funds. Same like Amazon in 
the United States, every two weeks, they're going to be sending uh, or sending your, sending your remittance to your bank account. Amazon has a very you know nifty and easy way to uh, get that money to your bank account. They'll do the transactions for you. They'll convert it back to your home currency. No problem this way. Uh, it's, it's pretty easy and straightforward, right? But uh, with convenience comes cost, right? So when you start to ask the questions like, am I actually receiving those funds that I'm supposed to be issued? Uh, that's kind of where we pull back the curtain and and show where people are not getting not getting screwed, but you're just leaving money on the table is the phrase we like to use. So that being said, when Amazon pays you out every two weeks, you're going to be converting that, say in Euro, that Euro to USD. That conversion can happen and you can break down the math. You go into your seller central account, you kind of do the math, you take all the FBA fees, all the fees that Amazon kind of tax onto you. And then you can see at the end, what what that dollar amount is that they're paying you. You can go into Google in real time what currency, what the currency valuation was on Google that day. So the transaction from Euro to USD, you can actually see what the what the rate would be uh, is, is what we call it. Um, with that being said, you can do the math of what you should have received versus what Amazon actually paid you out. And that's the difference we're talking about. There's a, a, th a typically a three to 5%, as high as 5%, difference on what you should receive as a seller versus what Amazon is actually paying you out. And that's not a math. That's not a math like mishap. That is Amazon is breaking down and converting your money for you. The convenience is costing you three to 5%, unfortunately. So that's, that's kind of where you're leaving money on the table internationally in a marketplace, but there's also um, when you're paying a supplier, right? Um, so people don't understand if you're paying a supplier in a different country, they're going to, there's two ways that they're going to either ask ask you to, you know, pay for your goods, either in USD typically, or they're going to pay, ask you to pay in a local currency. If it's China, it's RMB and CNY, which is um, what the local uh, factories and manufacturers use. Um, if it's in, you know, India, it's uh, you know, it's their local currency. If it's in um, where Mexico, it's in the peso. So there's multiple different ways that you can pay your invoice. The commonality is USD, you go to your bank, you wire the funds, and then uh, they convert that for you. You, you think it's like hands off, there's, there's no fees associated with it, right? But with suppliers are smart, they're going to take that currency conversion if they're receiving USD, they're gonna put that fee, what it would cost to convert to their local currency, put it onto your invoice, and you, not, and you the seller are gonna be paying those fees. So in the, at the end, you're paying those conversion fees anyways, uh, and, and it's as much as three to 5%. Plus if you're wiring, uh, money from your bank, you have to go there in person. You have to make sure all the information is correct. You have to like basically have a mini heart attack until they receive your money. And if it's as large as like five, six figures and you're converting and sending it to a bank, you also have fees associated with the wire fee, which is 50 to 150 bucks. And if you're a seller, those add up over time. Um, but when, when you're doing those kinds of things, it, 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 those, those fees kind of trickle and they start to add up quickly and uh, people just don't understand. They think it's the cost of doing business. Uh, same with um, when you're paying your supplier or manufacturer, you even have to pay like your VAs, for example. A lot of people are using VAs to do uh, your MWAs, which I'm stealing from Mike Zagari, the, the minimum wage uh, uh, activities, if you will. You're, you're, uh, if, if they're doing things like... Uh, 
you know, listings or they're doing um, optimization or doing ads, you can actually pay your suppliers too, but are you paying it through PayPal, which is six, seven uh, percent of fees when you're using PayPal or using your bank account, which again, we already touched on those fees. So there's a lot of different ways as sellers and as business entities that fees kind of crop up here and there, but they're, ne they're necessary, but people are just not educated on how to save on those kinds yeah. of fees. No, that's perfect. And, and once again, if you're just joining us, I'm Rob Stanley. I'm Chief Marketing Officer for AccruMe. I got Ryan Kramer from Ping Pong Payments with me. And we are talking about, you know, when you're expanding your business, there's ways to save money and saving money is making money. I mean, and that's what Ryan's kind of getting at here is when you're wiring to, let's say you're wiring to China, right? Like a lot of the Amazon sellers do, they wired money to China. They've factored in the factory who's taking your money is already factored in that conversion and sometimes they'll put that conversion in their favor right ryan i mean they'll, right. they'll definitely tweak it so they get a little extra out of it and what you're basically saying is if you go and are paying in their local currency now they don't have to convert it and and usually you're giving getting a discount i mean by doing right. that because now you don't have to play around with the different fees and everything and then on the other side of that, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you, you covered this, was when you're getting your money, like if let's say you sold on a marketplace like Amazon Canada, you've already made that money. You spent all your time getting that money, making those sales, and Amazon's taking a percentage to move it from that Canadian account to a U.S. bank account. And yeah. what you're saying is you guys can help with that fee and reduce that. So I... I mean, that's a win to me. Why would you not take advantage of that? You took all your time to make this money on these other marketplaces and Amazon's taken a, a bigger cut than they should be. Whereas ping pong could come in and make that cut not as large as it used to be or as it right. was, sorry. So, yeah. uh, no, so no, you're how, right. how does that work? Yeah, so think about convenience, right? Uh, I, I like to think of business in three different models. You're, you're either, if you're an entity or service provider, you're saving somebody in, in one of three ways. You're saving someone's time, you're saving someone's money or you're saving someone's effort or convenience. When you're talking about converting money or when you're receiving money from a different marketplace in this context, Amazon is giving you a convenience and they're going to charge you for it because otherwise I have to go to Canada. I have to set up a Canadian bank account to receive Canadian dollar. And then that way, once I receive it, what am I going to do with it? Like if I'm a U.S. seller, I can't spend Canadian dollar here in the United States. I can't go to like uh, I can't pay my employees in Canadian dollar. What are they going to do with it? So each marketplace is different and somehow has to come back to useful currency for what you need. And now that might be a Canadian dollar for wherever you're located. But for a lot of sellers, if you're in the United States, for example, it might not be that. So what we developed is kind of a virtual bank account, if you will. We've developed a series of uh, a of point to point system working with tier one banks. So when I say tier one banks, I mean like Citibank, Wells Fargo, um, Mercado Libre, you're talking with uh, HSBC, like big name banks where we actually have partnerships with them to open bank accounts and virtual bank accounts on behalf of sellers uh, all around the world. So the, the value proposition and the service and kind of solving all those three things, I talked about the time, money and effort versus time. You don't have to go to those countries and set up a uh, a bank account in person. You have to use to do that. And you still have to, if you want a bank account in China or in India or in, um, in Canada, you have to do that because 
you have to verify yourself as an entity. You have to make sure that, you know, you are who you say you are. And that's called like a KYC, like a know your customer. So banks have to, for compliance reasons, they have to make sure you're a legitimate entity or business. And then once you have that set up, yeah, that's great. But those other fees, like the wire fees, the all the other fees that incur with banks, those uh, you as an entity are a lot smaller than someone like Ping Pong who did 20 to $25 billion in transactions all around the world last year. So we work on behalf of e-commerce sellers and Amazon sellers. So saving that time, money, we actually, because we do so many transactions, we're able to save on FX rates for Amazon sellers. What I mean by that is that three to 5% that Amazon would be charging you. And again, that could be lower depending on your volume. Amazon might have said, hey, even 1.5% for you. Well, because we do so much and we have those relationships with those tier one banks and you're not jumping through two, three portals and uh, because we have that our own network, you're able to actually only pay out the maximum if it's a fee and using ping pong, the maximum that you would be paying on FX or you know a foreign exchange rate would be 1%. So that's the fee that we'd be charging you if you put money into our system, that's maximum 1% fee. If you withdraw it, it's maximum 1% fee. So if you're paying out PayPal, like to your supplier, for example, uh, and you're just, you know paying 5% or something crazy like that, and you look at ping pong and you're only doing maximum 1%, instantly you're saving 4% and that money can go to your bottom line. You can pay out that supplier, uh, invest more into your product, invest more into advertising. You can just take that money and pay yourself even. So it, the, the kind of possibilities are endless when dollars are so thin and your margins are thin when you're starting out, every dollar counts. So we enable the beginner sellers and uh, Amazon sellers or e-commerce sellers to be able to, you know, take those dollars and make it work for themselves instead of paying the unnecessary fees um, to VAs, to uh, your supplier, manufacturer, and then obviously uh, putting in your own pocket. And then the third is uh, time, money, and then uh, effort. So effort would be if you're going to expand as an entity, you want to be able to have all your money in one place with other, like if you're growing on Amazon to different marketplaces or on Amazon to even Shopify this year or wherever you're going to be located, uh, you want to have a place where you can see all of your, your money coming and going. So that's where we built out the technology to be able to receive funds from not just multiple marketplaces and almost on every single Amazon e-commerce marketplace, but on Shopify on uh, Rakuten, on Wish. If you're on any of those locations, the only one like that's not popular right now would be walmart.com. But even then, you, you're still going to be paid out in a different uh, currency so or in a different account. But on most major marketplaces where you might be selling a good, you can see where all of those funds are going to one location. So you don't have to have multiple accounts and money floating around. So that's kind of what we have solved in terms of that capacity. Yeah. Now, what about, uh, you know, it, what if I, I decided, hey, I want to try to just do this myself and go open my own virtual account? I mean, couldn't I just go to my bank and start cutting a deal with them and just say, hey, I want to do this myself and, you know, try to go around doing it throughout you guys? Or is there special yeah. things you have to have in place? Well, yeah, you could. Um, so I guess, so your question would be, can I go to my bank and say, I want to receive Canadian dollar or Japanese yen or anything like that? Mm-hmm. You, you as an entity are not big enough for them to be able to do that. It's not worth their time, money, and effort to be able to invest in you. 
Um, but <laughs> no, no offense, no offense to anyone out there, but you're not big enough to be, you know, I, I'm going to say what, if you're even a seven figure seller, uh, and you're looking uh, at comparison between us and like even our competitors, you're talking about $25 billion in transactions versus maybe like seven figures. Um, yeah, you can be big enough where you go to a bank and say, Hey, I can get a line of credit and, or like, uh, work on my rates for them, but they're only going to be working in like local currency. If you need bank account in like, for example, uh, China, I'm going to go back and this is kind of our win for everyone because we're an international company. We have great relationships with banks in China, uh, as well as internationally as well. You have a limited capability, even if you did go to China, set up a bank account and you wanted to send your supplier in local currency, they're going to cap you on terms of the amount of money you can send over in that currency. And that's because you a don't have the relationship and you don't have the quote credit, like a cre think about a credit limit, right? The more time that you spend with your credit card company and the more you're spending in uh, that groundwork that you've laid with them, they know that you're good for that money. They're going to start increasing that credit limit with ping pong. We've actually, have such a high credit limit and there's no cap on how much money you can send over to uh, suppliers in like China or in India or any location. We have the ability to, to scale um, upon like not just for one seller, but you know, thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of sellers. So we have that ability to get the best rates, obviously, which is why, you know, we're in a business, but because we handle such high velocity, it only behooves us sellers to take that off, of your plate and to worry about more pressing things like your, your goods, your, uh, ad spend, your uh, ability to grow your business instead of worrying about, I have to go to China, spend the time there to open bank accounts. And then if I want to grow in another marketplace, then I have to go to that country. When, when obviously travel is really limited right now, I have to go to that country. I have to go to, uh, and set up those same entities, have a, ahead of those entities in those countries. And then I have to worry about the fees associated with it. So in theory you could, but I don't think you'd be saving time in the long run. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Hey, feel free to leave a comment and, uh, or a question for uh, myself or Ryan, we'd be more than happy to answer it. Uh, we're going to be on here for a little while. And uh, again, thanks Ryan Kramer from ping pong payments coming on my first, uh, re Woo! relaunch, <laughs> first relaunch of the seller growth podcast. It's nice to be back on after uh, being off a couple months. New company, uh, new brands, uh, new company, new, new brands. New that, shirt. New year. Exactly. New new shirt. Shirt. Right. New Rob. So uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> great to, it's definitely great to be back on and, and especially have you on on the first one, but uh, let's keep going. There's, there's lots more to dive into. I'd like to get you uh, your opinion and on touching on why is it seem like, I mean, you and I both talked to a lot of Amazon sellers. Mm -hmm. And why are they missing Mexico? I mean, I think Mexico would be a great place with all the tariffs going on right now between China and the United States. I guess it depends on the product, but why not look at bringing in some products from Mexico? And, and then on top of that, India. I mean, uh, right. you know, when I was selling on Amazon, my company was selling, we were bringing stuff in from India. So kind of touch on that and tell me what your opinion is on that and maybe what some tips you can give everybody as far as saving money in those areas. Yeah, that's a good question. So I think Mexico, a lot of people are starting to look at like, especially importing on what the capabilities are for different countries, not just, not just like in China, which is like the typical golden, golden company or like I say country yeah. uh, because of the logistics and the uh, trade uh, logistics basically 
behemoth that they've built out. It's an easy kind of load in yourself as a seller and easy to integrate with other manufacturers and uh, suppliers there because of just the ability to find somebody that works for you. Um, I had on my podcast, Megala Bargwaj from uh, the India Sourcing Show, and she uh, she was talking about just the differences between sourcing from India and versus China. Obviously, one's great at you know a lot of different. Uh, like I would say China is great of like uh, electronics, for example, and like uh, plastics or not natural goods. So anytime you need something like pieced together or assembled, those are going to be great places to source from. Uh, on the flip side, India is more of like the natural goods, like uh, wood or uh, more like spices and herbs and more of those home gift, home and gift items that each country is going to be great at building those infrastructures. Now you're, so that, that's a great company to obviously take a look at. And I would suggest like looking at her content, um, and finding out ways to potentially, uh, source from India. I think that's a really budding market, obviously. And, uh, so wait, Ryan, Ryan, hold yeah, on. Go ahead. So I, I hear just the opposite of that. So I've been talking with Colin Raja and his mm -hmm. wife, Angie, and uh, he's got Indians, India sourcing uh, website. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I'm going to have him on the show. Sure. So when I talked with him, though, he's telling me very different that there's a lot more products available there than people think. And that uh, he- you Are know, you talking about in China? No, 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 in India. In India oh, yeah, that, that's what I'm more, saying. There is a lot more. So like, it, yeah, so India is known for like those things. I would say like that's their bread and butter, but they're- they're starting to iterate from that and they're growing their chain and logistics chain. So I think a lot of people don't look at India as much. The point is, is that China is such a well-known machine. It's kind of like lost upon other countries to even like diver from outside of those countries. So that's a good point. There is more than just those, those kind of layup products, but that's what they're known for. So yeah, India does have a lot more to offer. And I would obviously, uh, Megala is going to be more of an expert than I am. I've, Unfortunately, never been to India, but obviously that's a market that's expanding in terms of looking outside just Chinese manufacturers and distributors. Although great and plentiful, there's all there's other countries that that are fantastic at even sourcing from. Even the United States, a lot of people are like, "Oh, everything's expensive. Everything is uh, it's so much more to source." Even if you're here locally in the United States, it's not the case for everyone. It just really depends on your product your kind of your niche and then the network capabilities that you build out um, with finding uh, logistics or manufacturers. So it actually might even behoove you to source from the United States. Uh, Mexico, on the other hand, I do think I've heard that quite a lot, that a lot of people are starting to uh, look into the Mexico landscape in terms of both sourcing, but also selling just because just like any marketplace, Amazon's really focused on dot com because that's where a lot of the selling happens but then they start to roll out a year or a little bit less um some of the features on these marketplaces so i think selling capabilities and uh the marketplace in general is going to start to take off but then manufacture manufacturing and logistics in mexico is also something that they're starting to knock on the door of great goods um obviously in terms of like costs um, for sellers who are in the United States, it's a lot quicker turnaround time because it's so much closer than China or in India. Um, so those are those are definitely things that if you are a seller, you can look at for sure. And if it's a time sensitive issue or if it's a manufacturer that can do just as well, if not better than uh, a company in China or India, then yeah, absolutely. I think that's something that a lot more people are going to take a look at, especially um, 
you know, with the issues we have with people with Amazon not accepting goods, there's just a backlog in China in terms of like sourcing and goods. Um, with pandemics and company uh, just factories shutting down for like different holidays and uh, for health reasons, there's there's so many different ways that you have to be nimble enough to source hopefully from different countries. If not, uh, you might be like backlogged a couple months and that could be detrimental to your to your business. Yeah, and I, and I think now is the time. Now is the time you need to be looking at other other places to source from. I mean, we, we've got so much going on with China. There's a lot of issues uh, between the U.S. and China. We're not going to get into all those. But now is a good time when, you know, we're starting slightly coming out of the pandemic a little bit. I mean, you know. The 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 tunnel. <laughs> so, you know, I think Mexico could be very interesting. Now, from what I understand, and I could be wrong, uh, actually a lot of raw goods come from China to Mexico, and then they either assemble it or build it or make it. Uh, in Mexico. And I, I just think it, it could be, it's, it's right. I mean, they literally can drive a truck over, you can get your stuff in a couple of weeks. And, you know, supplies could be, be really quickly brought over from the factories down there. Again, you know, like Ryan and I both pointed out, it, they're still ramping up, there's still certain products you probably can't get made there. And, uh, you know, but then again, India, too, there's India is always a good one. So yeah, yeah. So I again, mean, yeah, uh, yeah. Just the re yeah, there's companies out there like Innovaland, uh, shout out to Francois over there and his team, like they work with like logistics and like manufacturers in terms of like finding ways to get your goods to you quicker. And then also just like expanding outside the traditional landscape. I know like, it, you know, those, those are like the, like different countries like those, there's so much more intricate in terms of like how you get goods. And like you said, if it's manufactured in China, but put together in you know, Mexico, obviously those are de things that depending on your product, it might behoove you to, to look at that kind of, um, capability as well. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a, that's a really good one. Um, not, not to jump too far ahead, but l let's get back into, you know, helping people out here. I, again, sure. I think the, the goal is if you're saving money, you're making money. Yep. So, you know, what about what, issues have you seen with dealing with either the currency or people selling over the UK? Because I, I kind of look at it when, when we sold in the US, it was just real easy for us to go to Canada as the next marketplace to sell in for Amazon. Uh, we were looking at the UK. I, I've been out since then. I've been out, you know, selling. Not, I haven't sold in a couple of years, but uh, what have you seen, uh, Ryan, as far as like, you know, issues that run into selling in the UK? Yeah. So I think, um, coming out of 2020. Oh, wait, wait. One other thing. Yeah, how, go ahead. Also, let's cover how is the Brexit going to possibly affect the whole currency with uh, England specifically and how are you guys going to handle that? So go ahead. Yeah, that was a good question. I think that was the one hesitation that we saw consistently with sellers growing internationally was what is it going to look like after Brexit? Or like after Brexit, because you knew it was coming it was supposed to happen. I think it is. And currently they had an agreement and there's still kind of a lot of moving uh, targets that people are trying to figure out in terms of like selling in the UK. How is that different now since it's not a part of, uh, you know, it's not technically part of the EU anymore. So we look at it a couple different things at, for the basics of it. When you sell in the UK or when you sell in Europe, you have what's called VAT or value added tax. And then in same in Canada as GST is essentially the same thing. Those, those things change with Brexit and 
I'll, I'll look at that, but also the the actual currency valuation of um, what kind of happened when Brexit was announced. So when you're paying and you're selling in the UK or Canada or uh, Britain uh, or Europe, you have what's called GSC or value added tax or VAT value added tax. It's like sales tax here in the United States. You're you're paying a tax on every single item that's uh, on, on that you sell over there. And it used to be a certain value threshold or a, uh, an amount that you would not have to pay if you're under it. But if you're over it, you had to pay a certain percentage, roughly 20%, which is traditionally like sales tax here in the United States. Uh, but that changed over uh, since Brexit. Now, if you sell in the UK, it's every item that you sell is going to be subject to paying those kinds of taxes. So even compliance reasons, you're going to get ding, you're going to get like credits. You're going to get a couple different things from the UK in terms of uh, wh wh when you're charged those kinds of things. So you can either pay it all up front or you can pay uh, in serious amounts to your authorities that are over there. So you're assigned these kind of tax authorities uh, that you have to pay and like almost like your taxes every year instead of once a year, it's almost like once a quarter where you pay as you go. So that, that all those different rules and regulations changed when Brexit was announced. So those are things you have to look into and a lot of people are just not educated. Um, in terms of like what that means for you as a seller. And that's, and that's still because we're in the fifth day of the year, that's still a moving target for a lot of people to kind of figure out. But that that's one major thing that the United States is different from that you're not having to deal with. Um, still obviously a budding market, still where a lot of uh, sellers can play. I think a lot of people are just kind of waiting to see how that, all the official rules and regulations kind of, you know, pan out. So if you have like good sitting over there, you're not getting dinged if you can't avoid it, or if you have, you know, there, there's so many different things to look at. So I think a lot of people are just tentative to see where it kind of comes out in 2021. Um, but stay tuned. I know there's a lot of articles that are circulating, like what it means for you uh, to sell in the UK. So I know, um, gosh, I'm trying to think of the, I, I just saw one over at, uh, there's a great article I can talk about in Mar if you go to marginbusiness.com. So Omar and his wife, Emily, they had a great article. All you need to know about VAT in Europe. Um, that was one I was actually reading just this morning. So I would refer, those guys are great in terms of Amazon sellers from the United States trying to grow in Europe. So shout out to those guys uh, if you're listening. Uh, but what I would say that also is different if you're selling in terms of like the currency strength would be, uh, when this is a real life example. So when we have sellers, like the economy in terms of like where currency conversions is based on like the world, you know, economy in each country's economy. So the strength of it is based upon lots of different factors, like strength of economy, uh, velocity, spending, you know, th there's a lot of different factors. That, um, it doesn't fluctuate a lot, but it can, if there's something dramatic that happens to, to a country like Brexit. So we had sellers that when Brexit was announced, they were selling in the UK, had tens if not hundreds of thousands of dollars that they were doing in, in the UK, doing very well. But then when they converted over, when it was announced, the value, uh, and this was a US seller, when the when Brexit was announced, they were instantly, the valuation of a pound bottomed out. It just completely plummeted. So in theory, you had all this revenue sitting there that you were bringing in. But when you convert it, if you convert it to a stronger currency like the USD from where the pound was beforehand Brexit and then after, you lost potentially tens of 
tens of thousands of dollars just because of something as ground shaking as Brexit. So that's that's kind of that's a scary thought for a lot of people of if there's an economy in fluctuation, you don't know where it's going to go. Uh, people even said this about the U.S. dollar, like the strength of the dollar can if inflation catches up, like obviously the value of a dollar is not going to be as strong anymore. Therefore, when you convert it to a different country, you could be leaving money on the table. So those are kind of the scary things for sellers when you're looking at an economy like that, that's kind of in the a balance and kind of a new new path. But with that being said, that's kind of where the strength of ping pong is. If you are selling in the UK, you can use our tool to just keep your currency. If you're if you're in the United States, you can actually keep the pound, uh, your your payouts in uh, in the pound, and you can just hold it there. So you're not so you're not converting it back to USD uh, right away. You can just have it sit there, and you can then if you get to a certain amount, and then the strength of the pound is high, and you want to convert it back to the dollar then do it. That's what you can do with our services. Again, Amazon will pay you out and convert it for you every two weeks. You can have yours just sit there for six months uh, on a rainy, like a rainy day fund, if you will. And then when you want to convert it, you can convert it to USD or it can convert it to a different currency and pay out your supplier or pay out an entity in Britain, so uh, so on and so forth. So that's kind of the the scary thing that can happen and what, what could happen, if that makes sense, moving forward. So with us, we we go off of the mid market rate, so that's like there's not it's not riding like the stock market, if you will. It's not it's not going to be really strong one day and then bottom out the other. It's a mid market rate. Um, like what they'll do for banks is they'll take that rate and then add fees on top of it. But ours is you can go on Google and you can see like where it fluctuates all the time, like the valuation of a dollar. It's always fun to watch like a stock market, but ours is pretty consistent and average across the board. But it's real time, uh, so if the U.S. has announced like a, a really big like agreement with China, for example. Uh, you might see the valuation of the dollar go up, and then the Chinese or the Hong Kong dollar rise as well. So then you can convert it almost like the stock market, but it's never that like dramatic like a Brexit. <laughs> well, now what about has Ping Pong looked at or thought about doing anything with like cryptocurrencies? Like, I mean, Bitcoin's through the roof right now. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it's it's becoming. I don't want to say mainstream yet. It's getting there, uh, but you know, I got a good story for you. I, I didn't even—I don't even know if I told you this one. So I used to actually mine my own Bitcoin back in the day. So tell me more. I want to hear about this. Many years ago, I actually—I mined my own Bitcoin when it was probably about a hundred, a little over a hundred dollars a coin. A buddy of mine, and thank goodness he got me into this. He—he uh, he was telling me about Bitcoin, and I'm just like. What are you doing? And you know, and I'm like, this stuff's crazy. Nobody's gonna pay attention to it. And he's like, no, trust me, trust me. And I was like, all right. So I, I ended up actually buying a Bitcoin machine and running it in my office. And uh, I think I think I was getting one coin every like three months. Okay, which now it's probably ridiculously long time to to mine your own coin unless you have you know some uh, free free electricity somewhere. But uh, anyways, I ended up mining my own coins for quite a few years. And uh, then got this supplemental bill from uh, my electricity. And I was like, yeah, Bitcoin <laughs> wasn't even worth enough to cover the bill cost. So I literally just said, I'll just leave it and I'll just let it be. And I, I probably had three or four coins by the time it was done, maybe a little mm -hmm. over. And then they did the whole split, right? Where they, and not to get off too much off here because I want to uh, cover this. But, uh, and then when they did the switch where they had, they had Bitcoin cash and then, so I convert all my Bitcoin cash back to my Bitcoin 
and then kept that Bitcoin and then uh, actually went hit about $10,000 a coin. I was like, oh my gosh. Actually, I think I got excited when it hit $1,000 a coin, thinking I could get my money back to pay for the bill, electricity. Right. Bill. <laughs> then, uh, I said, you know what? I'm just going to ride it out. So I actually ended up selling my Bitcoin when it was around the fourteen to $16,000 mark. I'm extremely nice. happy. I don't care. It's at 30000 right now. I did fine. So it was, uh, yeah. And I paid taxes on it, by the way. So Yeah. No, I mean, and, and that's the thing is like, so Bitcoin is kind of like that hot commodity, right? Like a lot of people who like bought it early on, it's kind of like the, it, it's like a disruptor of like currency, right? But it's not regulated. So that that's the one thing that we're, ping pong as a company is looking as like because we have we have these partnerships with banks and whatnot until like something gets like regulated or there's set rules in terms of like value in like where you can kind of see it coming and going and there's more when there's more people that are making transactions in 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 valuation of bitcoin like i saw for example the first nfl player talking about bitcoin got paid out in bitcoin like recently and i that just that yeah yeah that Oh yeah, go yeah. So it, it was yeah, just like some Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah, that was crazy, right? It, it was it was interesting to see like that. That's kind of an acceptable like it, it's an acceptable behavior, but it's an acceptable form of currency. Which again, if you're going to do it, you you want to have that currency, but are you going to be able to like pay your bills with Bitcoin? It's not cur- It's not widely accepted yet, but until I think like other places like widely accepted as a form of currency which i know some places don't but like if you're paying bills with bitcoin and you're going to accept it i think that's when we would start to really look and um you know see if that makes more sense but since it's an un i don't know how much regulation is actually there it's still regulated but until like you can you can basically bank against it like or bank with it like how well it's going to do and it's going to be consistent i think that's I think that's what we're keeping an eye on and just seeing like what kind of where the world economy kind of comes, right? It's, it's not the shiny new object in, in the place, but it's, it's definitely something to keep an eye on for sure. I, I think it's, it's intriguing enough to like watch it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, again, uh, I've got, if anybody has any questions or comments you want to make, uh, feel free to hit Ryan and I up. Uh, make sure that you hit that like button on uh, Facebook and subscribe. If you're li- uh, watching us on uh YouTube. And of course, if you listen to the podcast, be sure to uh, download it and uh, give us uh, five stars there. Uh, so yeah, moving on. Uh, so Ryan, what about uh, as far as ping pong is concerned? And uh, how do you and I know you get asked this because I get asked this all the time. But how <laughs> is ping pong different than some of the other uh, people out there that you know do the same type of service where they'll give you the discount rates or they'll you know set up the bank accounts for you? Uh, yeah. how ping pong is different. Yeah. So that's a good question. Um, basically you're working with me and that's a plus in everyone's book. So obviously I'm the number one key now. Uh, so what's different. And I think the one thing we're fighting to be honest with you is like name recognition. So it's, it's like branding and, and being aware of in the marketplace. So a lot of great companies, even though they might be first to market, they might not have the great best product. Right. We do have competitors out there that have been around longer. We've been around for six years and we're still technically a startup, but we grew, we started in the United States, kind of our story is we started in the United States, moved our international headquarters over to China, um, worked with Chinese sellers over there to, to be successful in Europe and kind of like worked, I say backwards because it's not the traditional like start in the United States approach. We, we started in the United States, moved to Asia, kind of 
really grew the Asian seller um, marketplace and helping them grow uh, their, you know, building out our needs there, their needs there, and then worked through Europe and then kind of came back. And our real focus is now in the United States marketplace. So what differentiates us, obviously, every every different company is going to uh, tout their, their pros and cons. So our competitors are like Payoneer, TransferWise, OFX, which are very popular in, in most countries and are have brand recognition. What makes us different is first off our customer service, because we consider working with sellers a white glove approach. We want to make sure that you're comfortable with mon money super sacred. You want to know that it's safe, secure, reliable, and we're not, and we're going to be around a long time. Um, we, we have the ability to like work with you individually and you're not like just going to go with it and hopefully it works and you know, you're getting the best rate possible. Uh, so we're going to be working with you, not just on both the customer service aspect, but also on the money saving aspect. Like if you're working with a competitor, we're going to say, are you actually saving? Can you save more? And we can work with rates in terms of that. Um, what makes us also different is that when you're growing internationally, we partner with those tier one banks, those those name brand recognized brand uh, banks that not just here in the United States, but internationally. So other competitors might just go with like a cheaper option, uh, but we are going to open your bank account with a, a very solid and trustworthy bank internationally as well. So if you're in Europe, you're going to know that name brand. It's going to say where in your dashboard, this is the bank account that it's from, it's not from a credit union or if it's not from like a, a random, uh, like a, like a cloud-based company out there that you have no idea where your money is. It's not backed by a bank. Uh, if ping pong disappeared randomly, for example, off the face of the earth, my money just disappears. That's not the case. It's all, it's all safe and secure behind a lock vault and key. Um, but we built out like this engine, which is really cool. Why we were able to save money is that we're having those partnerships with banks. So we talk to City, we talk to Wells Fargo, we talk to these companies that we have to go through compliance and regulations uh, trainings and making sure that money is safe and secure. So something crazy like terrorist organizations aren't being funded um, with our with our like our bank accounts and whatnot. So we have really strict compliance regulations, not just on a state level, but on a country by country basis that they're that every law and rule and regulation for finance has to be followed for us to be able to offer a bank account in those countries. So if we're offering payments to 160 different countries, think about all those different rules and regulations. Plus if you're receiving and pulling out money in 10 different countries and currencies, that's even more. So we're starting to build out this e-commerce engine and that's where we tout our kind of focus is we're for e-commerce businesses. It's not a, we're not a Venmo or a PayPal where you can pay your buddy and Venmo them five bucks for pizza. Right. Um, that that's, that's super one off And those, and those transactions are small and they're, and they're very hard to be regulated because they're so tiny in terms of like money transacting. We're, we're in the business of working with companies and sellers who are going to be sending more money, but also like how they can grow and save money in that capacity, making sure it's safe, secure, and reliable. So that's kind of where we differentiate. Um, obviously, um, offering currencies that might not be available out there, like uh, I think coming down the road, you can start paying out in PKR in Pakistan. So like if you have VAs, for example, down the road, you can start paying out your like colleagues in, in Pakistan. Or if you're going to be paying in India, like I said, uh, I know recently um, your supplier in India, uh, we just released the ability to pay out in PHP, which is the Philippines uh, peso, which is 
a currency that where a lot of VAs are located. So you have the ability to pay your VAs in local currency and say, hey team, instead of paying you USD, we can actually pay you out in local currency, save you time and money instead of converting it. We're just going to pay you directly so you can use that that currency locally. So th- those are the kinds of things where we try to iterate and we listen to our customers. Like we had a Fortune 100 company that came to us in a marketplace that are like, hey, it'd be really cool if we can have sub accounts, have different rules where you can assign tasks and rules for different accounts, like under one main account. Uh, like I don't need my assistant to be able to withdraw money, uh, but I want them to pay out my supplier. Uh, or I want my accountant to pay out VAT and GST, uh, but I don't want them to like pay a supplier. So you can set those rules and regulations within our dashboard. And that was because we listened to a, a, a big client, obviously, but a client nonetheless of, hey, it'd be cool if dot, dot, dot. And we were like, all right. And then a month or two later, we built out that ability to be able to give them something that what they wanted. So uh, you may not have heard of us, but we're we're still definitely up there in terms of like, a company that's up and coming and a lot of people are going to be needing to be aware of us for sure. Yeah. So I, I bottom of the screen, be sure to check out uh, ping pong, uh, ping pong payments. Uh, the website's down at the bottom of the screen and uh, Ryan, just real quick, anybody who's coming in late, just real quick, go over again, all the different things ping pong offers and then how they get a hold of you uh, if they're interested in uh, getting it, uh, getting going with you guys. Yeah, 100%. So the best way to get a hold of us, if, if you're listening to this, obviously tag me in social media. So like I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, wherever. Only place I'm not available is Clubhouse. And that's a different story. We're not going to talk about Clubhouse. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, obvi- yeah, if you tag me and you have a question, I'm going to make sure that you're aligned uh, instantly with uh, our team of get your questions answered and then make sure you get signed up ASAP. And that could take that same day if you are really needing to find a money saving solution. Uh, but our website is usa.pingpongx.com. But if you contact me beforehand and before you sign up, if you're a new customer, we'll actually give you a month of free transactions, uh, both sending and receiving. Just go ahead and tag me and say like, or I heard you guys on the Seller Growth Podcast, just tag me in it and we'll get you guys hooked up with just no fees for the first month that you use us. So that being said, Recapping, you're going to save when you, uh, on three ways, sending, sending money, receiving money, and then you're going to be paying your tax authorities if you're selling in Canada or in Europe, uh, your GST or your VAT. So sending money, if you're paying uh, anyone from like your VAs to your suppliers to ad agencies or to a freelancer, you should use ping pong instead of like another entity because you're probably getting screwed on fees and that no one wants to do that. So we're going to save you in that capacity. If you're selling in a different marketplace, like a Shopify internationally, um, or again, this is if you're even internationally and you're selling in the United States and bringing money the opposite way. If you're selling in the United States and you live in Europe and you're converting money over, if you want to save money in terms of not paying fees and keeping more of it to invest in your business, your product, your, your own self, uh, buy something nice for your family, uh, we want to make sure that you have that capability. So receiving funds, you're going to save on those fees by using us. And then also it integrates in other e-commerce marketplaces, not just on Amazon, but on all those other marketplaces. And then obviously the third would be paying GST and VAT authorities. Uh, but that's not as fun to, to pay taxes and stuff like that. So saving money is where we want you, what you want to do and take away from this. 
Yeah. So uh, before we close this out, a big thank you to Ryan Kramer for being on my uh, premiere uh, broadcast of the uh, Seller Growth Podcast. And a uh, big shout out to Ryan for also helping me with StreamYard <laughs> and getting a bunch of the graphics ready and, and kind of helping me with how it all works. I, I really appreciate you being on. And uh, for those that are, that are watching, keep an eye out every Tuesday at 10 o'clock uh, Pacific Standard Time. I will have somebody on new. And uh, every Thursdays, we're doing demo days. And this coming Thursday's first one. I'm kicking it off. So uh, be sure to keep an eye out for that. And uh, Ryan, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing all this great information. Go check out pingpongpayments or pingpong payments and just search pingpong payments on uh, Google. You'll find it. And again, I'm Rob Stanley. I'm Chief Market Officer for Acrumi. Take a look at acrumi.com if you're looking for some funding for Amazon sellers. Thanks for joining us this week on the Seller Growth Podcast. Special thanks to our sponsor, Acrumi. If you are an Amazon seller looking for funding, be sure to visit acrumi.com and fill out the three-minute instant funding form. Join us next week for more great tips to help you grow your business.